do I really know what I sold to these people? Did I really know this person? Did it, was this really the best product for them? And that's when I started realizing, like when I'm selling my own products, it's very rare that I go into that level because to me, it's like I will guide you, but I will not twist your arm and I'm ready to take care of you. When the sale is made, a responsibility is taken and that's a that's everything that I teach. And so if I feel that I haven't done what is necessary to be speaking and selling with the intention of caring for the person that I sell to, that's when I hit the brakes. That's when you say like the higher self says, hey, gut check this. You know you can sell anything, but should you sell everything? That's really the question. Happy numbers, happy times. My name is Andrew Gabalich, numerologist and founder of Teledivity, the world's most loved numerology platform, numerology mobile application, numerology pocket life coach. You are listening to the Calculating Route Show, where all I do, all we care about, is performing live numerology readings and having unstructured conversations with some of our platform's most interesting thinkers and thought leaders, incredible people from around the world who have something to say, something to teach us, a unique perspective about the times we're going through, the changes we're navigating as a planet, the ways we can use them as opportunities, the things we need to do to reconnect with our purpose in this grander story, and finding joy hiding beneath the chaos. We don't do interviews in this show. We just dive into our guests' numerology charts, and then we just let serendipity take the conversation where it must. If you've been on our platform for a while, you know one thing. All we really care about is letting the universe take the wheel and surprise us happy accidents. So that's exactly what this show is all about. I have no prepared questions. Our guests have no prepared pitches. They're not here to sell anything. They're here to talk about life and share with me everything they know about the future and every perspective we've been missing. If you're here with us today, well then you know what? Maybe the universe wants you to be a part of the serendipity too. Maybe there's something hiding inside our conversation just for you. I'm Andrew Gabalich and this is Calculating Route. Welcome, Jason. I'm excited to have you. I'm taking a look at your chart, and the first thing that's jumping out at me almost immediately is this um, connection between the eight and the seven that's reoccurring in your life map, except for this very important episode in the middle of your life, which hasn't started yet. It begins in 2028, and it's basically your entire 40s. Outside of that chapter of your life, in every other chapter of your life, youth, uh, your current chapter, and then advanced age, you're working with the, the intersection of two numbers, and that's the eight and the seven. In the most general terms, and in the terms that really apply to the work you're doing right now, the eight represents the acts of um, selling, um, generating wealth, um, kind of like the spiritual side of the material world and abundance and those energies that allow you to connect with the physical world and expand it both for yourself and others and either build things that are beautiful or generate resources for yourself and others. It's just everything that has to do with those areas of life, especially from a spiritual perspective. The seven represents knowledge, the, uh, the search for knowledge, the, uh, the act of learning and absorbing concepts, expertise, um, theories, frameworks and then becoming an expert in order to teach it's also connected with the laws of life the laws of the universe 
um, whether it's philosophy or just more spiritual perspectives on what life is. So really, in general, a lot of your life has to do with connecting these two concepts, generating wealth from a spiritual perspective, selling from a spiritual perspective, and just the spiritual laws of money, business, entrepreneurship, and building things, bringing ideas out of the mind and into the physical world. And a lot of your life has to do with the intersection of these two vibrations. You really came into this, we'll call it incarnation, to work with those two vibrations, to master them, and then to teach them to others. A lot of your life mission has to do with the intersection of these two concepts. It looks like to me, your youth, these vibrations were very present. I don't know exactly like the conditions, but it was like there was a lot of thinking around the good and the bad side of money, the good side of generating wealth and doing it grounded in values. Maybe some of the challenges or difficulties when that's not done properly or where it is either overused or abused or handled improperly and um, the challenges that come from that. I see in your 20s, specifically looks like from mid-2011 to mid-2016, a period where the eight is overly present in several areas of your chart, which tells me that this was kind of the period where you learn the most about these topics and when you probably face the most challenges around these topics. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you had difficulties with the money, but maybe you were in situations where you saw as a witness misuse of the values of working, authority, power, around money generation and around its proper balance with spiritual loss um, and really started just kind of like developing your own ideas about it your own perspectives on it. And this is kind of the period where a lot of your values really become solidified. This is a period of your life where you're reflecting a lot on what money means, on what selling means, on what uh, entrepreneurship means from a spiritual perspective. It is kind of like your, your coming of age story in these concepts. In 2019, there's kind of like the first seed after three years of building, but that piece is, still doesn't represent the beginning of your journey. It's just kind of like the first thing you show to the world that's still unfinished or still has some some uh, some sides of it that need to be polished, that you again go into another foundational building, slow preparation phase before the real, real launch, which happened in 2022. It's only been a few months since you crossed that line, so you're not really truly seeing the effects of it, but the next two years are about that expansion and about really bringing that message out into the world. And there's gonna be a lot of changes, a lot of expansion, but also a lot of chaos and some uncertainty as you're just dislodged into the world, sharing this vision before you land in a completely new place. And we'll talk about what happens after it later, but I wanna hear your feedback on everything I just said. Well, first off, thanks for having me here. And that's, wow, what a <laughs> what an interesting thing 
to hear someone kind of uh, read this out to me and then connecting dots about life events as you are are shaping it. And it's it's interesting at the beginning, it's like uh, you were starting a lot way back. So I'm trying to recall the memories and stuff like that. Then I'm like, oh yeah, I can see some connecting dots. And the more you're going into it, I'm like, oh my God, that's like an entire story arc that I actually lived out. And I didn't even realize it was happening. You know, some key things to think about is Yeah, the first time I ever spoke about selling with love was back in 2015, I believe. And it wasn't ready yet. And I've been like nurturing it, testing it out, refining it, I'm still doing what I'm doing within, you know, the current workplace that I had to build up my experience, to earn the right to speak about it. And so I took a really long path before just going out there and talking about it. And then Even going before that, I was going back to the 2011 where a lot of my beliefs around entrepreneurship, post-university, understanding like freedom, reading the four-hour work week, relocating to Southeast Asia and completely changing my beliefs around what a career looks like. Being exposed, you talked about being challenged and seeing what sales looks like without the values and working for an organization that was bringing in so much money, but stepping into the gray area, being challenged between what effects I could do with sales but doing it because I was culturally conditioned to sell it as opposed to really being focused on the, the value I wanted to bring to the person and sometimes selling in a way that I regretted. And so all those memories came to me. I'm interested in the seed because you said that right when you finished university, you were already thinking a lot about entrepreneurship and your values were changing around it. It feels like entrepreneurship and the act of generating wealth was always around you, even as a young kid. What are those seeds that are there in youth? Well, it's very interesting because my father started his business when I was a child, a swimming pool retail. And, you know, some of the first things I witnessed is him setting up his office in the basement of the house and then eventually opening one store, then another store to forming a giant partnership. And he was very, very successful as a businessman. And I've always witnessed this, yet they wanted me to go to university, get a degree. I was one of the first family members to go to university, get a stable job. Where I was from is uh, Ottawa, Canada. So like the dream is to get the job in in government so you have a stable pension and then you get to work nine to five consistently for the rest of your life and uh, towards the end of university is when I started doing internships and challenging and realizing going to management fear that this did not fit the mold of what I saw as potential for myself but your parents weren't doing that even though that was the dream in Canada at the time no my mom was a stay-at-home mom and then my dad uh, was a businessman and but they never wanted to steer me into the same direction. They just wanted me to do something and they've always said, just do what makes you happy. And to me, I thought following the blueprint was also what made sense, you know, listening to everyone around me. Um, but the curious thing that happened, and this is around the 2010s, I believe, I, I was just at the point of graduating university and I couldn't, I, I went to a career fair and they were talking about how you'll end up making, you know, after a certain amount of years in this management training program, you will be at $65,000 a year. And I was like, well, I want to make a lot of money and this doesn't make sense to what I want. And so that was the first time I got introduced to sales and I went into real estate and I started doing telephone sales and then I started changing all of my beliefs of what does a career look like. What do you think about the objective of money itself? Did you see it as a challenge, as a desire? What, like, what, what were you connecting in terms of this is what money is and this is what it brings into my life and that's why it matters to me and that's why I want to generate it myself. I'm trying to think back at that time. I remember, you know, for me, it was just looking at, well, how much am I making hourly when I was trying to maximize that? And, 
you know, before doing this kind of work, I was always thinking, well, I can work harder than everyone else and more hours than everyone else. And thus I'll make more money. So, you know, growing up, I wanted to go and make my own money. I wanted to show that I could do more than anyone else. And if you can put in more hours, I'll make more money. And then the values that I started having once I went into this real estate field is I was being paid commission. And I kind of got trained to realize that I get paid a fraction of the value that I bring into a company. So then I would always see the way that I can make more money is find ways that I can actually make more money for the company. And then I'll always get a fraction of that. So would you say that at this point in your life, it wasn't really the spirituality of it wasn't present or you weren't thinking about it as much as you are now? You know, I didn't even have any kind of meditation practice, spiritual practice. The The only kind of personal growth that I'd had at that point was I was given a book called Think and Grow Rich, uh, Napoleon Hill's classic. And it wasn't until 2013 when I went to my first personal growth event, which was called Awesomeness Fest or A-Fest. And then I started discovering things like meditation. And then I realized that spirituality was actually an important pillar. Before that, I'd have to say, I was like, maybe there's a God, maybe there's no God, but I'm going to have a good time while I'm here. The beliefs I had were everybody is inherently selfish, but if you have good values and you want to help people and that makes you feel good, hopefully there's more people like that. You get what you put in and uh, yeah, you get paid what you deserve. So I was quite libertarian actually. When it comes to my values around money, around self-responsibility, and uh, the spiritual side was actually nurtured much later at a different phase in my life. I find that curious because Think and Grow Rich is such a spiritual book. He brings in all these concepts around um, vibration and your higher self and listening into it. That book was a huge influence on me as well. You know what's interesting though, Andrew? I, when I read it back then, I didn't pick up on that. I was just thinking definiteness of plans, definiteness of desires, and constant persistence. That's all I picked up from that book. And then something about sexual transmutation. Like that was the only <laughs> thing I remembered, right? And I was like, I heard something about sex. They don't really explain yeah. it how it must, but I, yeah. I think sex is a good thing. I think that's what he's telling me. So yay, great affirmation for somebody in his early 20s. <laughs> that's a weird part of the book, but I think it was... Um... It was more meaningful for people in the 30s than us right now. What I found challenging is that I, I started hearing and, and doing research more around the roots of the author and who he was as a person and seeing the challenges around his level of ethics and his levels of integrity. There's a part of me that almost started to reject the material because I thought I saw the lack of integrity in the author. But then when I reviewed, uh, it was actually Outwitting the Devil, which is another one of his books. Going back through it, seeing how fear is what holds most people back. And I'm like, you know what? This is something so many people need now more than ever. And so I think it's still one of the most powerful places for people to start taking control, taking self-responsibility and making yeah. a difference in their own life. I don't see that book as gospel, but I don't think I would be here without his work. He was kind of like the seed of everything for me. And back years ago, when I took, like, I, I shared that book with others um, because I, I saw how it changed me and I want, like, I wanted others to get the same. Some people came to me with that information about his personal life and his challenges. And you know what? At the time, and I think still today, even though my opinions about his work have changed a little bit, at the time I was like, you know what? It is my view that everybody can channel wisdom because when we write advice or wisdom it's not always coming from us we are channeling an energy that comes from somewhere else and we all experience this when we're giving advice to somebody else sometimes when somebody comes to us for help 
there's this voice that takes over that really understands what's going on and that's giving the other person the exact thing that they need. And sometimes it's advice we're not even following ourselves in our own lives, but we're channeling it. So when somebody came to me with that information, I was like, I don't care because he's channeling. It, like, I don't care if he embodied it. I don't care if, if he had challenges. I don't care if he was a perfect person or not. In the same way that I know Mozart's personal life was a mess, but I still appreciate his music. So I do have that ability to separate the person from the message. If the message is resonating with me, I know it's not actually coming from the human. They're just channeling it for me. So that never bothered me. What do you think about that? You know, I think it's a powerful way of looking at it. And I would agree with you. And it reminds me of one of the authors of one of the books that I found the most transformational for me, especially when it came to embracing spirituality, yeah. which was conversations with God, right? Neil Donald yeah. Walsh was channeling, mm -hmm. you know, and it's in, in the fairness, like Napoleon Hill cannot defend himself against opinions and pieces that are being written today. The man has passed away, but going to any kind of events with Neil Donald Walsh and hearing him speak, the first things he always says, he says, I'm getting way too much credit for the work that was channeled. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to know that you have put this work out together and everyone expects you to live 100% up to these values. I definitely do not, but I'm blessed that I was able to help so many people in the process of putting these books out there. And to me, that's like amazing. Imperfect man, channeled some amazing work, helped me so much, eternally grateful. When would you pinpoint the, the, the transformation into more of these spiritual concepts? I think there's two major events in my life uh, that really made me embrace and consider how important spirituality is. Uh, the number one was joining Mind Valley, and this was a personal growth education company, and this was back in 2013. And then I discovered a whole world I knew nothing about, and I absorbed it really quickly. And then I brought it into my philosophy, although I had a bit of a perverted view on my own spiritual beliefs and the things that were being taught at this company. And I'll tell you why. I first started discovering things around abundance, manifesting, energy work, all of these amazing tools for healing that were being provided at that company, but I was still holding on to my old identity that was extremely libertarian and did not open up to spirituality quite a lot. So I thought, oh, look at me, complete whole human, able to bless all these broken people with these tools to help them put themselves back together. Let me sell and market it to all of them and look how amazing I am with the results that I bring for the company. And so I'm, I'm wording it quite strongly to kind of talk about the inner dialogue, but I think that was the operating principle in my mind. And it was only in 2017 that I had a, a breakup that made me look in the mirror and realize that I was not proud of the person that I had become. I was arrogant, I was selfish. I've done some things that I'm definitely not proud of and I betrayed someone that I truly cared for. And so at that point, it was actually since, you know, we, we just talked about it, but I remember turning to the Conversations with God book series and that allowed, I, I cried so much, Andrew, like just like realizing that this has been an entire pillar in my life that I'd completely ignored. And I realized how central it is to being happy, to doing good to the world, to having compassion for yourself as the imperfect human, as we just talked about, but understanding that there's ways to grow, to do better. And it was from that moment on 
spirituality has always been a powerful ally. And, you know, as we have this conversation, I realize I haven't been as close to it recently since things are going well. I keep very busy, but I'm also taking a moment in a couple weekends to go and recheck every area of my life. And spirituality is a big area. So that's a regular check in that I do so that I don't become blind to my own arrogance if ever things go too well. Uh, but, you know, Andrew, the thing that came the most to mind, especially when you're describing this past life experience, and I know that's not where you want to go, but I thought this would be relevant is so a couple years ago, uh, I believe this was 2018, I went to another person's event and it was a seminar and they were bringing me in to be a salesperson. It was like, you're going in there, you're given sales books, you're going to be working the phones, you're going to be closing some sales. And there's like this, I don't know this, like, I don't know if I want to say shadow side of me, but it was like a beast from inside me that just like got so excited, became relentless, wanted to talk to everyone, enthusiasm through the wall. And the only thing I could think of is when you were describing that person, I remember finishing that event, generating hundreds of thousands of dollars for the company. And this was all from the digital sales over the phone, saying things that were coming towards me that I was like, oh my God, where'd that come from? And closed so many more sales than they ever expected from the online attendees. And I remember walking and I was like, oh my God, I feel like I got possessed during that event. Like a side of me, that beast side of me that just loves selling for the for the love of selling to move energy around the transfer enthusiasm, that was so exciting to me. And then I was like, I almost had to have a sobering up experience to come back into my body after that. And it's very rare that I get into those modes, but sometimes like I'll slip into it and it almost feels like I'm channeling a past part of myself that exists, but is no longer my primary mode. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I, and maybe I heard you wrong, but I detect some kind of like, hesitation or fear with that side of you that's your higher self that's your genius as long as it's channeled with the right means the right mission i don't think it's something to to minimize or be scared of because it's just it's your higher self and these are instincts you've developed for lifetimes it's your genius um maybe yeah. before it wasn't projected towards the right place but now it can be so there's nothing. Yeah, to, there's nothing that to is what it minimize. feels like. And you did pick up on that correctly, because I remember walking away and I was like, do I really know what I sold to these people? Did I really know this person? Did it, was this really the best product for them? In the moment, I went for it and, you know, the culture was set, the, the KPI. And then and that's when I started realizing, like when I'm selling my own products, it's very rare that I go into that level. Because to me, it's like I will guide you, but I will not twist your arm and I'm ready to take care of you. When the sale is made, a responsibility is taken and that's, a, that's everything that I teach. And so if I feel that I haven't done what is necessary to be speaking and selling with the intention of caring for the person that I sell to, that's when I hit the brakes. That's when you say like the higher self says, hey, gut check this. You know you can sell anything. But should you sell everything? That's really the question. And that's kind of my mode of operatum for now. I'm starting to just develop this curiosity about your beliefs and what you are activating for people, how specifically you're helping people. Because today there is an awakening in the spiritual wellness market. The demand is growing. And there's a lot of new service providers entering that market, some so connected to their mission, channeling correctly, very prepared, but not great at selling and not great at understanding the process of kind of like targeting a product, understanding the specific target audience and selling it from the right energy. And 
all of those new service providers in this market will go out and try to find this information. And then there's a lot of content around how you should sell online, how you should build audiences, how you should launch a product. And there's a lot of formulas that are very strict around that process in terms of like doing the webinar and the sales calls and, and the landing page and having it done this way and that way. And of course, in my own journey with Teledipity, I've uh, encountered a lot of this content and a lot of it never felt aligned with me. On the one hand, I was aware that I needed help in kind of like polishing my sales strategy in order to continue to grow and activate my own mission. On the other hand, when I received this formulas, I was like, this isn't me. I don't want to do it this way. If I do it this way, my audience will know that it's not real. And they know me much better than this coach does. This doesn't fit. But the advice is always like, this is the formula and the formula works. And if you don't follow it, you're gonna fail. And a lot of those formulas where I always come into like, my gut is telling me this is not okay, is where those formulas have something to do with selling through fear. If you don't buy this, you won't solve your problem. If you don't buy this, your life is gonna suck. If you do buy this, everything will be solved. And that's great for the numbers, but it's not aligned with my values or everything I talk about in the rest of my content. So how can I just come into the stage and, and suddenly say those things when I talk about the opposite everywhere else in my content? So that's where I come from in this kind of like concept of how to sell online and how it's taught today and how it just, it doesn't feel aligned with the market I belong in. And a lot of people have the same instinct. So I want you to talk about that and talk about it in the context of what you do with selling with love and how it's different from all of that. Well, you threw it at me very perfectly. So with your permission, Andrew, I'd love to yeah. suggest how I usually tell people to say, present at the end of a webinar or after a sales presentation is you just said it like if it doesn't align with your values you can do these techniques which use a lot of fear to maybe let's say out of a hundred people that attend any kind of online event or you're doing sales calls individually you're going to talk to a hundred people okay you can use fear and these uh, call them the dark arts of sales and you might be able to get from like five people buying to 10 people buying which which is a great improvement right but then you have 90 people that are going to be disgusted with what you did if you're doing a a webinar, you would think that by the end of somebody doing your training, they should be left better off than when they started. Well, those 90 people now are left with forced to make a choice that you've anchored to them that they're going to be less good now that they didn't take the action that for some reason they weren't able to do at the time. So I, I, I really don't encourage that. And I also feel it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. So oftentimes I prefer to present what is the fork in the road, which to me, if you have a product to sell at the end of any kind of training, it's not because they're losers that aren't going to be successful if they don't buy. You give them the resources and the encouragement to tell, hey, for some of you, this is the end of our journey. I hope you got a ton of value from the webinar. Remember the things that I taught you, A, B, C, and you can go out there and apply this with as best energy and the best effort as you can. And I wish you the best. Yet for some of you, you're looking to make a different choice. Perhaps you love to have guidance in the process of applying these. Perhaps you love when things are really delivered in a structured fashion. And perhaps sometimes it takes the extra kick in the butt or at least the accountability that comes by investing in a program, which I think you'll be very excited about the fact that I've made an amazing offer for those of you who are interested. So let me explain to you what's included and it might be the perfect decision if you find yourself wanting to get through the extra step with a higher chance of success, doing it quicker with less risk and actually saving time in the process. 
So allow me. And then you introduce, you introduce the product. Yeah, I call it selling with love. <laughs> and isn't it true that most companies right now sell through fear? Like most of the advertisement we get is about that. Well, we're in an attention economy, right? So like all the news media, fear, 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 it's all over the place. But you know, when you start doing this, again, if you're trying to play a short game, you want to make the most amount of money and you're not caring or responsible for the results you've brought to the people, will fear get you there quicker? Yeah, but I, I would assume for most people who are listening to this and yourself included, Andrew, is you're in this for the long run. You care about the impact that you're making to every single person that encounters you in your life. And so, yeah, you might not get that conversion rate from five to 10 on the moment of the webinar, but then you'll find something strange. You'll have people talking good things about you. You'll have more people attending your next webinar. And now, instead of having 100 people on the call, you have 500 people on the call. So you're not closing five, you're closing 25. And now you're starting to have an impact on every single person that doesn't buy. And this is one thing that most people don't measure. You look at the conversion rate for buyers, but then what happens to all of those who don't buy, which is the majority, they can become your raving fans who consume every single piece of marketing that you create. That is the people that listen to the podcast for free, the people that engage with your post, the people that you share, recommend, and advocate for your success. They are your cheerleaders and you can treat them as gold as such. And that is how you play the long game to win and to be prosperous in the process. Absolutely. Well, I guess in closing, um, you're going to be giving a masterclass to Teledebris Premium members in a couple of weeks time. Give us a summary of what's that, what that's going to be, what we're going to get out of it, and then just tell us where to find you, where to find your book, get more of your content, and just be inspired by more of your writing, all that good stuff. It was super fun to be chatting with you here, Andrew, and sharing with everyone else listening. I guess some of the ground rules here is just, uh, if you feel like connecting with me, I think one of the more beautiful places you can connect is on LinkedIn, very active there. When you make a connection request, definitely add a note and say that you heard me right here uh, with numerology uh, and teledipity. And so that way uh, I'll be able to make the connections. Um, and I often, I tend to give free gifts for people that do connect. So if you wanna know what that is, just hit me up and uh, I'll be generous to all of you. Um, book, you can always pick up a copy of it on Amazon or any other major retailer, it's available everywhere. Um, and for the training we're doing for the premium members, I'm super excited about. It's one of my signature trainings that get some of the best feedback I've ever gotten, which is about how to identify attract and close your ideal clients. And like I mentioned earlier, there's so many people that early on in the business, you have a gift, you want to share, you want to connect and you want to deliver something that you know, transform people's lives. But it seems impossible for people to understand where you're coming from, that you want to serve them. And the whole sales process feels intimidating, misaligned or manipulative. And this whole thing is going to shake your world around sales, really make you see it from a beautiful place. It'll feel amazing. And you'll be excited about every single activity you need to do to reach out to these people because you know on the other end you will be serving them and being abundant doing it too um, so if you want to be a part of that that'll be the master class we'll do that and some more uh, to make sure that everybody who joins gets a transformational experience and uh, it's going to be my absolute pleasure to share everything i got to all of your audience andrew incredible jason um, as always it's a pleasure to connect I'm glad that uh, Teledebris brought us together. Uh, it's always awesome to hear from you and uh, hear about what you're doing. I hope that there's many more opportunities to connect in the future 
and I'll see you when we do the class in a couple weeks. And Andrew, allow me to make one more mention here of how amazing it is every single beginning of the month for me and my partner to open up our teledipities and look at everything that's coming in with anticipation. Uh, I'm a premium member, of course, so uh, I get my weekly digest and she's getting a little jealous. So I have a feeling <laughs> she might actually upgrade to her premium account too because I'm like, listen, this is your teledipity. You need to go pay for your own fortune and your own <laughs> predictions. And so uh, it's just always a joy. You're always in my life through that app every single week and I'm very grateful for that so for anybody who's not a pre-member highly recommend it it's just you know whatever you're going through in life wherever you're heading it's just always fun to have a quarterback that's giving you some prompts every beginning of the week is the most powerful thing that i get to look up to on monday mornings